This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, I'd start with the weather, but you know what they say about talking about the weather means you have nothing else to talk about. That's why you arrived on the weather in a conversation. And that is most definitely not the case here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, Paul Calvisi, Danny Surek, Darren Urban. Then again, I don't know if I should start with Buddha's shout-out before camp. <laughs> Let me clean this up a little bit. Um, as I quote, hey, man, all I want to know is are y'all bleeping ready, man, said Buddha Baker in his social media video. Go Cards! is what he said he did and as as i wrote on azcardinals.com i don't want to over analyze something like that oh no come but on there I, are worse harbinger I, harbingers of that before camp than i'm you. encouraging you to over analyze yeah, i know you are Darren. that's come what on. you do paul I mean, that's what i'm prone to overreacting come on now danny i got a chance to chat with buddha a little bit at media day earlier on wednesday is that Tuesday? Oh, boy. It's been, it's been Somebody just spent seven hours in a very hot bubble. By the way, today's high was a record high of 118, and that is 26 straight days of 110+. plus. I got a chance to chat with Buddha as well as some other players, but he seemed like he was in good spirits. It didn't seem like a situation of he was forced to be there, didn't want to be involved in anything, did not seem that way at all. Seemed like a totally normal, energized, happy Buda Baker. So this isn't like, oh, I don't know, Chris Jones not showing up to Chiefs camp or Zach Martin, a holdout at Cowboys camp, or now Nick Bosa staying away from Niners camp as he seeks to become what will probably be the richest defensive player contract in the history of the game, Nick Bosa. So it's going to be a lot like last we saw Buda Baker, I presume, in that mandatory minicamp, you saw Buddha behind the scenes, just didn't see him on the field. That's my presumption. That's my guess. That's my forecast. Don't know that for sure. Yeah, I was going to say. We'll I... find out going into day one of Twas the Night Before, essentially, as we record. I think I, I could kind of see either situation. Buddha Baker has two years left on his contract, so he's not going to sit out. So if that's the case... How much stronger of a case is he making for himself by not participating in training camp? I'm not so sure. He doesn't seem like the type of person to be able to watch full-on practice at training camp and not want to go out there and be involved and hit somebody. So I, I feel like Buddha will probably be out there, I would imagine. Now, would it surprise me if he weren't just with the way things happen around the league nowadays and the business side of things and players standing up for themselves or maybe what their agent or their team is recommending it wouldn't surprise me. However, I am leaning more towards expecting to see Buda Baker out there participating. Darren, how do you quantify his value to the team? And how much of that do you think will figure into the team's willingness 
to either redo his existing deal, add additional years to the deal, maybe guarantee some of the money that supposedly is not effective immediately. I mean, look, you're either part of the solution, you're part of the problem. I think we all agree, and everyone saw it for themselves last year, that Buda Baker is most definitely part of the solution. He is not only the heartbeat of the defense, he's what I call BYOC, bring your own culture. The best players in any sport are really their own culture, and he is that guy. I, I don't I don't disagree with you, Paul. I really don't. I, I, and, and here's the thing. I don't I have not talked to anybody. I haven't talked to Buddha directly about this. And I haven't talked to anybody on the team about this. So this is all my speculation, which I guess was something we could do. But trying to read tea leaves here. I, I don't know if anything gets done. I would think if the Cardinals were inclined to change up his contract with two years left on it, it would have been done by now. I, I find it hard to believe it wouldn't be done by now if that was the direction they were going um, for multiple reasons. And again, this is I'm just I'm trying to look at this as a purely, you know, without emotion, nothing into it. A, a lot of this stuff he's got. Buddha's got two years left on his deal. He's making 13 and then 14 million dollars. Um, I don't know if they want to set a precedent with redoing a contract with two years left. I don't know if they really want to spend any more money right now. Just in general, I think the last I saw, the Cardinals were in the realm of 25 or $26 million on the salary cap. And don't forget, any salary cap money you do not spend this year rolls over. Or salary cap extra. So if you're trying to build this chest for next year, that might make mm -hmm. more sense. Now... I, I understand where Buddha's coming from, absolutely. But in some ways, it's not it's not apples to apples. But in some ways, it reminds me a little bit of what these running backs are going through right now. And and they have very, very strong arguments of why they should be getting more money than they are, but they're not. And it, part of it is the way the world works, and part of it is just the business of of putting together an NFL roster in the cold, hard business of being a running back is what's your leverage? What is your leverage to force any sort of change? They had that, that zoom call. Some of the premier names who play the position and Nick Chubb was sort of designated to meet the media, I guess. And he did an interview and he said, well, ultimately we're handcuffed. There's not much we can do. Do we think James Conner was on the zoom meeting? I don't know. I thought, I, I thought about getting the sideline reporters together. You know, get Pam Oliver and Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi. You know, Paul maybe Calvisi. we need a band together. No, I'd just be sort of getting everyone <laughs> drinks. You know what I mean? It is interesting. Like, the day after Saquon Barkley with the Giants gets one-year deal. Right. But see, that's the thing is, like, he got a deal. Is that considered a successful meeting? Is that productive? I, honestly, I think he realized it was take it or leave it. You're talking so, about Saquon? Saquon. Yeah. So Team Saquon, his agent, got an extra million dollars potentially in bonus money. That gets him to almost 11 if he has yeah, a, did, a banner. But otherwise, what's he going to do? Did you see those incentives, though? Did not. The incentives, every single one of the incentives, he would not only have to have a really good year, the Giants have to win at least one playoff game. Oh, Okay. Or playoff berth. Maybe right. it's playoff berth. But yeah. still, either right. way, either win a playoff game or make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's a big yeah. – look, he could be awesome and they go miss the playoffs and then he doesn't get any of that. I, I like Saquon Barkley as much as the next guy. You know what the key to his season last year was? Not only was he healthy, 
because the year before he was still recovering from the torn ACL. But they fixed the offensive line. To me, that's where this Cardinals reset starts with the offensive line. you got to fix the offensive line. And if you do have an effective offensive line, I'm sorry. Most of the data will show you'll have an effective run game, no matter who the running back is. And the data also shows, and the precedent also shows, that most second contracts for these running backs, not very good return on investment if you're the team. So I understand that dynamic. Now, in terms of Buda Baker, the cold hard business could be something along the lines of if you believe the Vegas odds makers and all the naysayers and the prognosticators, that guess what? We're going to miss the playoffs with or without you. So what's the team incentive to redo the deal? Once again, I tend to think if a deal is done or reworked, there'll be an additional year added since Buddha's still in his prime at age 27. Maybe there's an additional year added off the back end and they guarantee a little more money along the way and they rework it somehow, some way. So it doesn't necessarily set a precedent of completely redoing an existing contract. Don't know. We'll find out. But, but see, here, here's my question. Why wouldn't that have happened already? Deadline spur action, right? The old... And so what is the deadline in this? If there's anybody who can miss training camp and get away with it, it would be the all-pro safety Buda Baker. So but you what, know what, what are the two you know sides view is the though, deadline? Right? When you say miss training camp, you know what you're implying. You're implying that Buda refuses to practice. Yeah. Because the well, way the CBA is now, you can't just not be at practice. You get fined. Correct. Yeah. And it's not only do you get fined, a day. it's 50 grand, a, uh, 50 grand a day and – it used to be teams could forgive those fines, right. which they usually would. The new CBA says they can't forgive those fines anymore. If you're still on your rookie deal, apparently you can forgive those fines. Like Nick okay. Bosa, okay. the Niners could uh, forgive okay. those fines. I guess that's a stipulation that I just learned looking at the Nick Bosa situation. But you're right, Buda Baker on his second contract at the time made him the highest paid safety in the league. We all know that. He's still top seven or so. Reportedly doesn't want to be the highest paid safety in the league, doesn't want to eclipse the annual average earnings of a Derwin James, but he wants a little bump and or some guaranteed money in there. Well, something for the effort if they're sticking around for the reset. And obviously we saw his value to this team a year ago. All you had to do was see the behind the scenes stuff with hard knocks. So, hey, I mean, what is the deadline? I guess that would be my response, Darren. Do they view the first week of camp, the first preseason game? What's ironical, if you will, as I continue to bludgeon the English language here on Cardinals Underground, is that after this last season ended, where did Buddha start inciting what was Illin and ailing the 2022 Cardinals in a four-win season, and he cited training camp last year, saying training camp last year wasn't good enough, Danny, and we all saw it week one against Kansas City. You saw a Chiefs team that where the regulars like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey got a lot of reps and got a lot of preseason action. And the Cardinals regulars did not, and we all know how that played out. It's just interesting because I it almost feels like comparing apples to oranges. It's an entirely different coaching staff. I mean, the, the schedule is different. And, you know, I've had people ask me, well, how can the schedule be so different? And it's necessarily not, but in terms of the old coaching staff really liking to practice in the morning, this one's more afternoon in terms of when you're going to have meetings or all kinds of little things like that. So it already is going to feel different and I'm not saying you know I don't think Jonathan Gannon looked and and analyzed and thought hmm this is what happened when Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach so this is why I'm going to do it differently I think this is just the way Gannon wants to do things so obviously yes you want to look and compare it how training camp was last year compared to this year 
it, it's hard to compare because it's just a completely new staff and preference on how you're doing things. I would like to see a more active, more not aggressive in, the, in terms of being careless, but a more aggressive training camp. That was something we heard from players. That was something we heard from players after week one against the Chiefs. Specifically on defense was, wow, that was really kind of the first time all the starters had really played together. Like we had, you know, some things to work through. That's not what you want to hear. So I am on the same page. I would like to see a more aggressive style of attacking training camp. Think about it. The 2021 Cardinals were a playoff team, but they were very banged up in December and January. So the mentality in camp last year, if you hit rewind, was, hey, you know what? We're a talented team. Let's just stay healthy be playing our best ball come December. Look at the Rams team that won it all. Guess what? They were healthy at the end of the season. That was the difference. That was the key. And then you sort of went through the motions in training camp. This is a vastly different situation. As we said, to me, the offseason was the sixth purge movie. I mean, you just you went ahead and you just took care. I have mean, there been five of those movies? There have been five, Darren. How would you know that? Don't make me Are name you a them purge all. Guy? I've seen zero. Don't make me name them. You're I actually a purge guy, around. aren't you? I, I, right. Well, the, the, the kids are, and I've watched enough to know. There's the purge, the purge anarchy, the first purge, the forever purge, the purge election year, and then the sixth movie, which is... Arizona Cardinals 2023, The Purge. That's like just as many Fast and Furious movies. I've also never seen those, but that's what it seems like. Easy with the snark about Fast and Furious, Danny. Speaking of movies, Danny, I did mean to mention this to you. I happened to get a chance to go see a movie last weekend, Oppenheimer. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. No spoilers. And I thought of you when I got comfortable in my seat, and then the guy next to me sat down, reclined, and kicked Did his shoes off. Did not take his shoes off. No. Kicked his shoes off for three hours. Three hour movie, He was baby. barefoot, no socks. No, no. I, I didn't see him when he came in. I'm guessing oh he only had flip-flops gosh. on, but still, come on, man. People are too comfortable oh in public these days. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm going to mentally... We need to bring I... back bullying. <laughs> That's what we need. Bring back bullying. My goodness. Keep your shoes on, people. That's that it. Is, uh, as Jim oh, that's going to end up in the open, isn't it? it? Was, as our producer, yep. Jim Omohundro, yep. gave a fist bump yep. in the air during that one. That oh, was I'm the, never going to learn. That was the, let me give him a time code on that, Jim. Let me help you out there with that for Danny. That's, uh, it's work. always funny to hear somebody like uh, Petite Danny talking about bring back bullying. Don't bully me, but bully people into keeping their shoes on. By the way, Q's mad that I'm making you the... the the two guard and, and that I don't know what that means guard. I don't know I look people look I go into the mailbag I like basketball I like I'm not I don't like play in my spare time so when I was looking through the mailbag <laughs> only Q, you your job, you I like guess? no but like you you put us in the in the position numbers and I looked at Q and I was like I know point guard is one I don't even know what the other numbers are and here I am being put as a starter but you were right I could handle the trash talk well first of all the guy who asked the question put you as a starter I just was well I would be a starter mm. so so you put her like as the Devin Booker right playing the two whoa that's and, what I am and dealing the trash Devin talk. Booker's a two D book is known for two things playing the two and uh and, and talking the trash oh uh, that's me right I mean, I'd be buckets all day <laughs> Danny buckets that's all you need that's there you me. go that's her new nickname <laughs> Okay. Boy, did I just drive this right <laughs> off the road. Sorry yeah. about that. Once upon a time at Cardinals camp, as I look for a segue, Darren used to play in the media basketball yes, games, I which uh, no longer exist. No. So for this version, iteration of Cardinals camp, Jonathan Gannon, what do we expect? Look into your crystal football, if you will. Give me a forecast. I guess I'll start. Attention to detail. I think attention 
to detail will be first and foremost. Yeah. It's part of the whole winning behavior formula that he espouses. I mean, I, I think that that is a big thing. Like a lot of people have already asked me, like, will there be a, a cut down on the pre-snap penalties, the kind of mindless penalties that seem to crop up with this team? There better be, because if you're not that talented, there must be. Yes. And and, and how much we're gonna, are we going to see that in camp? I, I don't know how much you can tell in camp. Per se. I mean, the thing about camp for me is it is so wide open. You just were talking about the purge, Paul. I mean, and I mentioned this to you on the radio this week when you had me on uh, when you're filling in uh, with Wolf and Luke. But uh, like, for instance, the defensive line. I mean, do I think there's a couple guys on there that I could point to and say, OK, they're going to be on the team? Yeah, there probably are. But I can see possibilities of every single almost every single one of those guys being on the roster or being cut depending on what everybody else does. I think it's that close with most of those guys. And it kind of talks about where they are, for instance, as a defensive line. All right. So here's a big difference. Well, agree or disagree. A year ago, two years ago, if it came down to a vet versus a rookie, the vet would always get that roster spot. This time around, where this team is currently positioned, if it's vet versus rookie, I'm guessing they go with the young guy with a future and the upside. Just off the top of my head, I think positions for that to happen would be on the offensive line, possibly a right tackle if Paris Johnson Jr. beats out Kelvin Beecham. Wide receiver, Hollywood Browns, your one. What's the rest going to look like? Is Michael Wilson going to be able to pick up the playbook and the speed of the game and be able to be a starter? Um Depending on his health, is B.J. Ojolari going to be able to start opposite of Zayvon Collins as a pass rusher? So there's a lot of questions. Maybe some of those undrafted free agent rookies that the Cardinals signed on the defensive line. There's there's plenty of spots. There's more spots for a rookie to earn a starting role than there aren't. No doubt. In fact, you know what? And Darren, I got some heat because when I was filling in on Wolf's show, I said, you know what? I'm expecting some some big decisions. I'm expecting some headline decisions to come out of this camp. And then people gave me a hard time because I didn't fill in the blank, right? Didn't name any names. But I'll give you an example. In fact, I think we've seen two big ones already. I firmly believe that Paris Johnson Jr. is the starting right tackle over Kelvin Beecham. And I don't expect Zayvon Collins to ever return to inside linebacker. I think he is an edge guy. So those are two big decisions already happened. I do expect more. I'll give you an example. Um, the 2020 draft class. What's the future of Isaiah Simmons? Josh Jones, Lecky Fotu, Rashard Lawrence. Let's start with the defensive lineman. Those guys aren't decisively better than some of the younger guys. Then what? Do, if you don't have plans for them beyond this year, do you look deal them? Somehow, do you get much in return? What about a Josh Jones? There's a lot of teams who need a lot of help along the offensive line. Guess what? Cardinals might be deeper along the offensive line than most people realize. Is Josh Jones someone who possibly could bring a day three pick in return? If he's just going to be given his walking papers, if Kelvin Beecham beats him out as a swing tackle, let's just say, then what? And then, of course, there's Isaiah Simmons. What do they think of Isaiah Simmons? Where does he truly fit in this JG scheme? Most tend to think that this is going to look a lot like Philly's defense a year ago in terms of the scheme. The big difference is that you don't have the dudes along the defensive front that the Eagles had, the Javon Hargraves, Fletcher Cox. You just don't have that. 
<laughs> you could go on and on. You go on and on. Which, honestly, I think brings up another big question, which is, if you're Jonathan Gannon, what's one of his big sayings? Adapt or die. Nobody blitzed less last year than Jonathan Gannon. He didn't need to, Eagles fans, before you all get, you know, your boxers in a bunge out there. They had 70 sacks, 15 more than any other team. He didn't need to bring numbers. But if half your sacks walked out the door and Zach Allen and J.J. Watt, which they did, and you got a big question mark at edge rusher, then, okay, to what degree are you going to need to dial it up? That's something that obviously will be – we won't know until week one because they're not going to show their hand in that thing. Everything will be vanilla in the preseason games. But these are all just big questions that are hanging out there. I think what I'm expecting to see from Jonathan Gannon's first training camp is high energy, shocker. I feel like more off the field, I feel like there's going to be an emphasis in like team bonding camaraderie there's just been so much talk from Gannon from general manager Monty Austin for it about not having an ego putting the team first and the fact that it is a new team even with the holdover a new staff trying to build a culture I would expect to see maybe a little bit more of the players after practice being around the hotel and, and kind of doing more things around that nature but on the field I expect to see high energy you know nobody lagging that kind of stuff the other saying I've thrown out there is no allegiances, right? Bill Belichick, no days off. I just think JG and Monty Austin for no allegiances. You, you just everyone's going to have to earn that spot virtually. Not only that, think of how many starters are coming off an injury to some degree last year. So you only have so much film if you're the new staff to look at. So those players, those starters, really need to make a good impression. A lot of them are entering a contract year. Hollywood Brown. Rondale Moore, James Conner's been banged up, right? Zach Ertz. There's there's a lot of players where even if you are coming in as an expected starter, you didn't even have a full year last year of tape for this coaching staff to look at and evaluate. It's still an important year for you. Think about it. Day before Cardinals show up on the practice field for the first time, Cardinals Camp 2023, a mini Monty Hall, if you will, as five players are signed, including competition at center. Pat Elfline, a guy who has started all 15 games that he's been able to play the last two years for Carolina at center, has 40 career starts at center, compared to Yelda Froholt, who has four career starts at center. Jeff Swaim, tight end, uh, most recently last three years with the Titans, so obviously very well known as an entity by Monty Ford, 57 career starts as a tight end. Based on his receiving numbers, I'm presuming he's more of a blocking tight end. Well, guess what? If you're going to live in 11 and 12 and 13 personnel, as we've heard repeatedly, then you're going to need more guys, more proven guys at least, because as currently constructed in the tight end room, you're looking at one of those undrafted rookies being almost an automatic based on the health and the viability of of Zach Ertz, and then they added two USFL receivers and another long snapper. I mean, they've been hell-bent on bringing competition to the long snapper room. Well, You love fair, to see it, Paul. Personally, <laughs> you. You I love mean, to see to, it. To be fair in the long snapper, they the one of the ones they had on the roster, Matt Hembro, ended up going on IR with a back injury. So all they're doing all right. is making sure that there's somebody besides Aaron Brewer. But, but the great Jack Coco, who was the one that was signed, Good name. Um, was the long snapper for the Packers last year, so he has experience. Yeah. So, all right, top three things you want to see. Top three things maybe you're tracking 
once you get out there, you get out on the grass, as coaches like to say, okay, not just the players, the media as well. You're out on the grass, Danny and Darren, you want to get started? Which one of you wants to lead off here? Top three things you'd like to see. Well, or you're tracking. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not take the low hanging fruit of the Kyler situation because I do think that that's gonna take a while, and I think we're gonna be back beyond training camp to really worry about that. But what I am gonna say is, okay, can Clayton Tune or David Blau or Jeff, Dris- Dris- Jeff Driscoll make any kind of headway on Colt McCoy? I I think Colt McCoy is your starter, but given the circumstances, given where they are. Given what they might want to look at, can Clayton Tune, uh, you know, kind of Russell Wilson his way into uh, a depth chart place before we get to the regular season? That would be one. Um, number two is going to be how this defense comes together, because I, offensively, I think you can point to a lot of places where you're like, oh, they, that guy's probably going to play, that guy's probably going to play. Defensively, I feel so wide open in so many different ways, not only with scheme, but what players they might put out there. I want to see exactly what we haven't seen so far once they get into teamwork in open practice. And then I, I guess three is, for me, is going to be how does JG, Jonathan Gannon, run this thing? You know, there's, he, he mentioned in one of his early press conferences about how when somebody asked about training camp, how last year in Philadelphia there were so many Eagles media that were all over like, hey, there's, you're, you're running too light of a camp and it's never going to work. And obviously the Eagles ended up making it to the Super Bowl. And I wonder if that's Jonathan Gannon is big on not going super hard in camp. And I, I thought it was interesting. Obviously Jonathan Gannon isn't there anymore, but I saw a tweet the other day about the Eagles for like the first eight days of training camp they're actually going one on one off. Like they practice one wow. day, no practice, practice, no practice. Like that's wow. really light, man. We're a long way from two a days. So yeah. Now that Jonathan Gannon is his own guy, is he going to emulate a Nick Sirianni when it comes to that sort of approach to training camp or not? I mean, if you have a Eagles have very few decisions to make, obviously. They just want to stay healthy and be ready to go by week one. Cardinals, exactly the opposite. So I would think you have to you have to run a little tougher training camp. At least get some more full contact, full pad, full go football, one-on-one competitions to try and determine, all right, who is worthy of the final 53. You took a lot of the good ones, Darren. I'm a, I'm a jerk that way. So I think... <laughs> I was going to really? say a much worse word there, and let me write, I decided not to. Let me write down the time code in that one, too. These are good ones. It's a very productive start to camp here in I terms of drops for Jim Omondro. That's good. I always forget you're yeah. left-handed. Um, I think offensively, just kind of lumping them together, knowing that this offense wants to run the ball more, expecting to see maybe some more 12, 13 personnel. Who does that look like besides James Conner in the backfield and – Assuming you have a healthy Zach Ertz, and if you don't, you know, besides Trey McBride, who who is your depth there? Um, really, the running back room is what intrigues me of how do they envision complementing James Conner? Is it going to be more of a committee approach? Is somebody going to take a little bit of a lead as that second back? That's kind of something I'm looking at offensively on those those two spots. Cornerback is intriguing to me. I feel like at this point, the starting spots are Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson's to lose, but that is a possibility. So that's a position on defense that I'm looking at and hoping to see growth from them there. And then looking way ahead, 
in training camp because training camp truly the days are very long and you have to go day by day so it feels like forever but the week of joint practices against the Minnesota Vikings I would like to see intense practices Mm. where you're getting meaningful reps again it was a different training staff a different team practicing against the Titans last year but only having one practice there was only a few minutes honestly at, at most of having the teams go against each other it was really two separate individual practices I would like to see true joint practices your starters going up against their starters getting getting a feel for those pre-snap penalties and if that's an issue kind of getting a feel for offensive and defensive line combinations that's something I will be looking forward to is having those energetic and meaningful and productive practices in Minnesota man let's hope they're more productive than they were in Tennessee right it's got to be better got to be better than than it was last year and I think it will be and I think Cardinals are going to really value those practices to get a final assessment a lot of the regulars as to how they're going to stack the depth chart who's going to make the final 53 things I'm watching effective immediately presuming he's going to be out on the field B.J. Ojolari we didn't see him this this guy could be a starting edge player for you week one at Washington for all we know obviously his pedigree is high he has an incredible skill set first team all SEC the only player the last three years of his career in college ball who had more quarterback pressures than B.J. Ojolari went number three overall Will Anderson so I I want to see this guy I also want to see because there's differing scouting reports on whether he's a liability against the run or not how stout is he in the run game can he set the edge can he be that dude so we'll see about that speaking of the edge Zayvon Collins I mean when you hear some of what's said by teammates when they talk about a Dennis Gardak who says he'll be a dominant outside backer about Zayvon Collins when Josh Woods who's new on the scene he says he's going to be an amazing player in this league Zayvon Collins hello you know what exactly does that mean because this be the Cardinals poor man Micah Parsons where exactly is that tracking and then the guy I'm going to keep an eye on just because he was entertaining to watch last year, and then we didn't see him during the regular season because he got hurt at the end of camp. Marquise Hayes, the guard out of Oklahoma, seventh-round pick last year, and he came in with a nasty edge to him. And he was good for, sort of like the Eagles' practice schedule during camp, he was good for a fight every other day. Same with Will Hernandez. Yeah. The refrigerator he's been nicknamed. Yes. So... uh, Definitely be watching some of that and uh, where exactly that's going to go in camp. And then, you know, if it wasn't for Darren, I'm like you, Daniel. So, you know, we gang up on Darren. You know, he took Clayton Toon. <laughs> go ahead. Definitely going to keep an eye on Clayton Toon. I mean, come on. I'm not going to miss an opportunity to fan the flames of a quarterback controversy in camp because it gets us through August, even if it's for the backup spot. What about special teams? Who are you watching on special teams, Paul? Mm. Paul doesn't watch special teams, does he? <laughs> Well, how can you not watch the punters? Come on now. Can Matt you, Hawk, come on. You're going to have to remind us the list of the 7 out of 15 players okay. that you are going to keep your eye okay. on to see how they're doing okay. throughout training camp. Look, I'm going to give you a couple right here, okay? Imari DiMercato, the running you back. love saying that name. Love that guy at a TCU. Uh, I'm bullish on him. I think he's going to make some noise in camp. Quavian White. Find diminutive American and cornerback. You're picking all the short guys, Paul. He's gonna short king season, Darren. He can play. He's uh he's gonna be in that secondary. That cornerback room is wide open. Best case scenario, you have Marco Wilson, you get Antonio Hamilton back to form. 
He looks like he did last year in camp. Antonio Hamilton, if he can get over the mental duress of being older than his defensive coordinator by a year, Antonio Hamilton, he's that guy. He's mentally tough. I think he can do it. And then you get Keytrell Clark, who looked good, a six-runner out of Louisville. Garrett, what do we know about the third-round rookie, by the way? Garrett Williams, Syracuse. What exactly – is that a big question mark as of the start of Cardinals camp? I mean – I wouldn't be surprised if, like the other ACL guys, he starts on the physically unable to perform list. I mean, uh, and again, he can come off at any time. Well, if they put him on the right one, but I'm assuming he will be on the one that can come off at any time. Uh, there's a couple of different pup lists. Gotcha. Um, I, I don't know. The the thing is, is I would think cornerback is a position where, not that it's easy to come into the NFL and play it right away, but it's easier than maybe some other spots. But we are talking about a guy coming off a major injury and then missed all of the offseason. So is he going to be able to make an impact even once he's healthy? You know, I you, you got to be able to see that. I'm curious to see where he is. I don't think there's any question he's kind of in the mix at some point, how early he is. It goes back to when you're talking about how wide open the cornerback room is. It, it really is, and no. for all the reasons you just mentioned. Well, as Kyle Vandenbosch said, the one thing you do fear with the Cardinals' defense is the combination of a poor pass rush and inexperienced secondary. You can get away with one or the other being below average, but if you get the combination of not getting to the quarterback and not having stout, stellar coverage in the secondary, now you could have a real problem on the defensive side of the ball. So hopefully you get one or the other. I put together a little list here, guys. And I know I open myself up to criticism. It's cool. I'm used to it here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. These, these are ways in which the Cardinals might exceed expectations. Because let's face it, according to Vegas, not a lot of expectations on a Cardinals team that is going to be missing its franchise quarterback. We don't know. Is he going to miss just some of camp? Is he going to miss what? Anyway. All the question marks out there, we have no idea. But here's a few different scenarios where I think the Cardinals maybe exceed those expectations. For example, New York Giants last year came off a four-win season, fixed the offensive line, won a playoff game. With, by the way, they had $54 million in dead cap money, and they still were able to win a playoff game. Jacksonville went from the number one pick in the draft to turning around and then winning a playoff game. So you never quite know in the NFL. But if, for example, Monty Hall, the new GM, if he strikes again with this, with this rookie class, with some waiver claims at the end of camp, right, if the rookies are half as productive as the rookie GM, okay, that's where I think the Cardinals. If this physical style of play, the violent brand of football that Jonathan Gannon talks about, if that can make up for some of the lack of talent on this roster, and you're able to win some games just via physicality, which can happen, then I think the Cardinals exceed expectations. They play the pound game, for example, that run game, and it really is effective. And if, for example, James Conner recaptures his Pro Bowl form from two years ago, which I think is very plausible. I think we've all seen and talked to James Conner this offseason. He is fired up. Not only is he in a contract year, but I think he likes this offense. It really caters to a power running back. And so, you know, a little pro tip, if you're doing your fantasy football draft and James Conner's still lingering on the board late in your draft, don't hesitate. I think, uh, and don't forget two years ago, how many touchdowns did he have in that, that season, right? It was, it was absurd. 18. So, 18. Um, 
I tell you what, if if the Cardinals can get a Michael Wilson as a big outside receiver combined with Hollywood Brown, who was a top seven in catches and receiving yards before he suffered the foot injury week six at Seattle, plus you like your inside slot receivers in Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch, I think that receiver room, if, again, Michael Wilson can be a reliable rookie receiver, which tends to be more the exception than the norm in the NFL, um, and if this team can learn the same lesson that Zayvon Collins learned on day one in team meetings, right? That you better bring your attention to detail. Thou shalt not multitask by eating your breakfast and partaking in a team meeting because that means your attention is divided. If this team can eliminate, for example, leading the league in pre-snap penalties, which they did a year ago, and I think each of the last three years they were top five in penalties, including two years ago they led the league in penalties. If they can stop being their own worst enemy, Cardinals beating Cardinals, then I think these are all manners in which, plus you get a surprise pass rusher, whether it's B.J. Ojolari, whether it's Zayvon Collins, whether it's my J. Sanders, Cam Thomas. If one of these guys can somehow break out a little bit and get you a double digits in sacks. Can I ask this question? Yeah. When you go through that list, yeah. do they all have to happen to? No, no maybe just one or two of them. Okay. I'm two just, or three of them. You that, know, that's if you can a, get a few of these, list, that's Paul. all. I'm just giving you some scenarios and give you multiple choice. And maybe you can check a few of these boxes then. Okay. You know what? Um, you want a hot take. I know you guys are, you know, I love a good hot take. Here's Rob Fredrickson on the big red rage a couple of weeks ago. He said that no Deandre Hopkins might actually be beneficial for a Kyler Murray when he comes back in that you're like, okay, fill in the blank there. He was so prone to focusing and locking on to D Hop, right? Feeling like you got to, feeling like you have to force balls to nuke, get him his requisite number of targets. DeAndre Hopkins chirping in your ear hole on the sideline. Okay, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. Well, what if all of a sudden this just allows Kyler Murray to truly run the offense, go through his reads and progressions, and just get the ball to the open receiver? What if somehow it actually ends up being beneficial? Um, when it comes to a defense that has to play the Cardinals more honest, most defenses would come in like, well, they're going to D-hop first, second, and third, so we're going to double or at least give extra attention over, over Nuke, and then guess what? It becomes even more difficult to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Well, now you don't have that luxury. Maybe it's not as big a tell for defenses when they formulate their game plan. I, I do think that is a pro. I think there's pros and obviously cons of losing a player of Hop's caliber and his skill of – he was, he was reliable. It didn't matter which quarterback was out on the field for the Cardinals. You knew that you could go and you could trust throwing it up, and he would come down with that contested ball. But I do think there are things that could still be positive. You talking about not necessarily feeling like the ball has to be fed through him. I think when I did a big red rage with Rob Fredrickson a couple weeks ago, he wasn't necessarily talking about DeAndre Hopkins. He was just saying in general, we are talking about leadership in general. He had a good point of, you know, the Cardinals have lost a lot of veterans, not just DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, J.J. Watt, right, th- throughout the league. And just because you're a veteran doesn't necessarily mean you are a good leader. And I, I do think that even when Hopkins was in the locker room, I think he was one of those players where people probably just knew what he added to the game and kind of watched and, and saw how he did things and kind of led by example in that sense. I don't, I'm don't i not really sure how vocal he was as a leader, but I do think that 
you know, it's it's kind of a fresh start for players to to step up and kind of have a new a new culture in there. And again, that's not just on not having DeAndre Hopkins in the locker room. That's a whole bunch of changes. But but you bring up a good point is while you're obviously losing a great talent and not having DeAndre Hopkins on this roster, there are still pros that you can find from the situation. It, it was a little funny to me when I saw a tweet uh, as Titans camp started and DeAndre Hopkins had his introductory press conference to the Tennessee media and he let everybody know that um, Mike Vrabel had already given him permission to miss the first few days of training camp so he could tend to some personal things. For real? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no excuses from the Titans. Mike Vrabel and the offensive coordinator, they're both very familiar with D-Hop from their Houston days. So there, sh- there should be no surprises. And, and you know what? Um, look, sometimes you have to make allowances. When you previously had the worst receiver room in the NFL, this is true. you needed talent. So they were willing to pay the price and accommodate the player. So, okay, we'll see. And look, when you look at the Cardinals' offense, you know I'm just going to go to a couple of things. I'm going to go to what Zach Ertz told Wolf and Luke in the offseason in this very studio where he's, they were asked how different is the current offense, Drew Petzing, and his response was, Zach Ertz, it couldn't be more different than what Cliff Kingsbury ran, that where we were in the gun every play. And so, you know, Zach Ertz went on to say this is going to be a Kubiak-style offense like Houston ran back in the day. Interesting. Okay. Uh, If you're looking for more on that, the Red Sea Report, Drew Stanton went into great detail as to what that might look like, what exactly a Kubiak-style offense is. And it has a lot of connections to the West Coast offense, getting the ball out quick, a lot of short passes, yards after the catch, a lot of play action. And then we get to the quarterback under center because maybe the most telling as we get ready to start training camp and daily updates with head coach Jonathan Gannon maybe the most telling interview of the entire offseason was about 24 hours after JG was hired and he sat down with Peter King this was a few days before he introduced Drew Petzing who at that press conference with his head coach and good friend Jonathan Gannon Petzing gave Gannon a hard time about sharing a little too much with the media well some of those comments if you revisit them we're all about Kyler Murray. And JG said to Peter King, first off, if Kyler isn't here, I don't take the job. But then he went on to say, the offense will look much different. That the key is we got to take him to another level, unleash Kyler's full skill set, and the key is putting Kyler under center more. Not operating nearly so much out of the shotgun. We're not going to put him in the gun all the time, JG continued. I'll tell you that much. We'll have two significant offenses with his skill set. The way to take pressure off the quarterback in the O-line is to put him under center. That's the missing piece because when you're in the gun all the time, you don't make the defense defend certain play types. Now when you get him under center, the defense has to defend a lot more play types. So there's really two offenses I see us using. And how many defensive linemen over the last couple of years for the Cardinals would tell us that when the offense, the opposing offense on a key third and four would get into the gun, the defensive lineman would say, yes, because now that cuts in half how many potential plays can be run and really narrows down the thinking and decision-making of a defensive lineman that they can play it differently. So to hear a Drew Stanton break it down, this Cardinal scheme will have a lot in common with a Kyle Shanahan because the whole Kubiak style offense comes from Mike Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan runs 
That's, you know, obviously. And what is he known for in San Francisco and the Niners offense? Always keeping a defense on its heels. Never running the same thing twice. Or maybe it's the same play out of a totally different personnel group trying to, quote, ungap a defense with the power run scheme. So very, very curious as to what exactly uh, it'll look like. And once again, I don't expect to really see in the preseason games. Um, but week one at Washington. By the way, I have Washington already 1-0 and on the season. After it was addition by subtraction, they got rid of Daniel Snyder. So now I give them a win for that. So they're 1-0. See, that's dangerous because you just say that out of context. You say they're 1-0 and they open with the Cardinals. And I thought you, that that's kind of a – I don't know if you want to go no, there. The 1-0 right? going into week one okay. is, is what I'm trying. I guess uh, I should make that so explicitly that are they, clear. So are they getting 18 <laughs> decisions? Let uh, him have his fun, Darren. It was a big win for him right there. Maybe. Uh, okay, so um, what do you think in terms of – Last question as we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground. Do we have any sense as to the fight policy from Jonathan Gannon? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't. He, I mean, look, he, he spent some time in Philly. I would imagine he's okay with a little, a little here and there, not necessarily a punch, right? We don't have anyone right. breaking a hand on a helmet or giving anyone a concussion or a broken nose or anything like that. You know, no broken fingers. But I think maybe, you know, especially on – on days where it just kind of feels like nobody might be focused or kind of, you know, need some more energy. It's like kind of in hockey, right? You have like I'm instigators. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm has, for it. Has Wolf not investigated this yet? He texted me last night. Did he really? He texted me. He said, you know, of course, you know, once again, Wolf doing pro- – by the way, Ron Wolfley, uh, you asked me during vacation to fill in on a Thursday, Friday, Monday. We do the Thursday show. We do the Big Red Rage Thursday night. And then by 8 o'clock that night, I'm getting a text from your producer that you're calling in sick on Friday. And then you called in sick on Monday. That's just wrong. It's not what I signed up for. What's going on over there? But if Wolf would have been listening to his own show on Monday because he wasn't there, we talked about this at length, that Robert Sala had to address the fact there were a couple of fights at Jets camp. And his policy is players will be players. It's not out of disdain for your teammate. Guys are trying to make the team. Emotions will boil over. I just have one rule within the scheme of things is that no punches. No punches. Because the moment you throw a punch, the official will throw a flag. And we don't want any broken hands or fingers like okay, you said. Okay. It, it's, okay. And it's not always personal. Just real quick. I mean, think of one last year. It was Isaiah Simmons and DeAndre Hopkins who kind of got in each other's faces. Those two are best friends off the field. It, it's not personal. Okay. But I, I've got a. How do you define fight? Because if there's no punches, then it's not a fight. He, he say the way he did. He did define it. He said, this, right. "I guess he has seven kids." Robert Sala. He said, "It's the same thing I tell my kids, which is below the neck, above the waist." Oh my gosh! Meaning, you know, you can get a little tussle and get a, you can grab some jersey. Maybe you can get a chicken wing in there. Maybe you get a little bit of a. Yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> last year. The heavyweight battle we saw last year was Will Hernandez and J.J. Watt, obviously. Yes, which is still, I still keep thinking about, like, J.J. Watt getting shoved down by Will Hernandez, jumping up, ticked off, rushing Will Hernandez stationary and bouncing off him. <laughs> it was like it was like a brick wall. It was like a pass ball hitting the backstop. Jeez. So, yeah, it was. Um, once again, though, with a lot of new faces in camp, better be sure um, you have a full scouting report on who you're going up against. Remember a good 15 years ago, Tom Pestock? Oh, yeah. Golden Gloves boxer, MMA champ. Uh, he was like a jiu-jitsu black belt. 
And the word in camp was, do not, do not fight Tom Pestock, backup left guard. Well, I guess a backup D lineman didn't get the memo, and things got a little testy after the whistle. And in a quick one, two, three, down went the D lineman immediately. He got dropped by Tom Pestock. And uh, by the way, uh, Sasha, what, what is the guy, Baron Cohen, what is his name now? He's a pro wrestler, yeah. Tom Pestock. Yeah, Tom so, Pestock yeah. is. So is Dean Mutati. Yeah, so anyway. All these former great Cardinals training camp guys. Sure, let everyone know that we're still going to have Cardinals Underground during training camp and Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Relo. When, when are we mostly going to be posting those, though, on Wednesdays? Is that the plan throughout training camp? Uh, underground will be Wednesday probably, yes. That that fits the schedule a little bit. Well, no, we were saying. Did we say Wednesday? I think I think we're doing Wednesdays. Yeah, I think that's but right. But there will be Cardinals cover two throughout the week as well. Okay. And our Twitter at AZ Cards Insiders, our personal Twitters. Maybe I'll make Darren do a TikTok or two. Yeah, Paul, well, you didn't hear about our TikTok, did you? I'll, I'll I did tell not you off there. I've, I've, I've got a TikTok idea. We'll see how the execution okay. looks okay. and all that stuff. We'll talk okay. through it. All right. Okay. All right, so uh, a lot to determine, a lot to decide. I got to go pack my bags. Yep, uh, you know. So uh, and and once again, I think it, we'd be remiss if we didn't all give thanks for the climate control out at State Farm Stadium. Well, standing yes, ovation here at the end. Okay, a little golf clap for climate control during training. Yeah, we're camp. excited to see fans out there at the open practices. Be sure to wave and say hi. Okay, first open practice, July twenty seventh. Correct first padded practice which i am introducing legislation by the power not vested in me to make a state holiday the first full contact full pad practice is scheduled for july 31st yes i believe so okay and that'll do it for this edition of cardinals underground was the night before cards camp brought to you by pacific office automation <laughs>